0: It's good. Well, welcome, or thank you. (laughs) It's good to be, uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be home and it's good to be here in this place again. uh, I've, I so appreciate my church family and um, I just, I just want to Give thanks to the Lord for this place, and uh, I want to thank you, Mark. Thank you for uh, um, following God's call on your life to join us here, uh, to step into this place. And uh, it was just a great Easter weekend. And and thank you for your leadership and your teaching. I've so enjoyed uh, uh, sitting under your pastorship. Is that a word? <laughs> uh, this last little while, and so I thank you for that. And thanks to the whole staff team. I just I had a really. Busy March and April, and it was fantastic to come and experience the Easter uh, celebration here together as a church family, so thank you. Um, well, it's a little easier to digest uh, snow in late April when you're able to still watch the Oilers play hockey, so I, I have to at least mention that. Um, I was actually in Calgary late last night, so I didn't get to watch the whole game, but I got uh, regular text messages from my wife, and as I was on the plane on the way home, I realized that it's been over... 10 years since, um, since we experienced playoff hockey here in Edmonton. And uh, over that period of time, that's a long time. I've had four kids in that time. <laughs> and uh, maybe there's a correlation there. I don't know. No playoff hockey, four kids in 10 years. I don't know. But um, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. It makes it a little easier to digest the snow. Um, and so hopefully you're not too tired from being up late several times this week, uh, watching the Oilers, but, uh, um, I give thanks. And, uh, I do want to open the word together today and, uh, transition. Let's, uh, let's get spiritual for a minute. And, um, and, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open to Luke 24. I just want to read it through one more time because, uh, If you are tired, and this is all you hear, this is what you need to hear. (laughs) And so uh, let's read uh, Luke chapter 24, uh, starting in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Peace to you. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Peace to you. You see here that there were the disciples gathered together in one place, much like we are gathered together this morning in one place. And each of them came with various emotions welling up in their soul. They were confused. They thought they had a plan. <laughs> they thought they were following the Messiah, the king who would overthrow the Romans and usher in a new era of godly reign. Restore Israel in the world. They were confused. They were they were confused because they heard reports that Jesus had risen. They they were they were concerned. Uh, they were Anxious. They were, some were excited, some were doubtful, and they were afraid. They were afraid. And I wonder what emotions well up in you as we gather here this morning. Uh, Likely all various kinds of emotions. Some joy, some anxiousness, some confusion, some fear. And the word of God to you this morning is peace, peace to you. And I pray that as Jesus shows up in this place, that you would hear him speak those words to the deepest part of your soul this morning. Peace to you. Let me pray. Lord, um, we thank you that you are God, whose message is one of peace, that you have bought our peace, and that you have given us a mission of peace. And so, Lord, I pray this morning, as we gather around your word, as we gather together, you may do business in our hearts. I pray if there's anything I've prepared to talk here that's just me, that uh, it gets forgotten. But that which is of you, Lord, speak powerfully into our hearts. May we hear you, may we see you, and may we experience the peace that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' proclamation of peace is kind of a threefold proclamation here. One, it's a proclamation of comfort. It's a, it's a desire to bring comfort to an anxious and fearful group. It's also a positional proclamation. He is saying that he has bought peace for us and that we are now in a place of peace we are standing before the God the creator God of the universe before the judgment seat of him the most holy of holies and we are at peace and it is a mission it's a missional statement peace to you and to all nations you are now my messengers of peace it is you who are the agents of peace in the world this is the proclamation that Jesus makes one of comfort, one of position, and one of mission. And I want to unpack those three a little bit this morning, but first I want to talk a little bit about fear. Fear being one of the primary emotions that this group of disciples are experiencing. Yes, partly because they think they've just seen a ghost. (laughs) Uh, If Jesus showed up here in his glory in, in this place, we would all be extremely frightened. In fact, the response every time that uh, an angel or God himself appears to a human being in in invisible form is one of tremendous fear. (laughs) Such that the first response out of God's mouth every time is fear not. (laughs) Fear not. Fear not. And so yes, that's part of why they're in fear, but they're also huddled together for fear, of the Romans, of society around them. They're ashamed that they've abandoned their, their, their teacher, uh, the one they proclaimed as Lord. They abandoned him and denied him, and they're ashamed and they're fearful of what may happen next. <clears throat> and the problem with fear is, um, is, is a couple-fold. I have a, a colleague, for those who, who don't know, I'm in full-time ministry. I work with a ministry called Power to Change, And I get the great privilege of being the national director of uh, the student ministry of Power to Change. So I get to work with students on campuses across the country. And one of my colleagues is working on a PhD right now, and uh, he did a survey as part of his PhD to figure out what helps and hinders students in sharing the gospel with their peers. And so, very simple survey. He called up hundreds of students and just asked them, what helps you share the gospel? What hinders you from sharing the gospel? And he just listened. And he recorded all of the data, and then he organized it. And what he has found is that there are three things that kind of help students share the gospel. And I'm imagining that this applies to you as well. It's not contained to 18 to 25-year-olds. I believe it applies to each of us. And uh, they said, evenly weighted. So as he had these hundreds of respondents, and he asked them, what helps you share the gospel? He had three responses that were kind of evenly weighted. One was, their personal experience of the gospel. So the more that they experienced the truths of the gospel in relationship with Jesus Christ, the the more they were helped in sharing that. Secondly, just biblical knowledge. The more they understood God's heart for the nations, for the lost, the more they understood God's call on the churches, on, on their life to bring the gospel to those around them, the more they felt helped to share that, the more they felt compelled to share the love of Christ with others, because as their biblical knowledge grew. And the third was what he called environmental factors. So the community they were involved in, the models that they were chasing after, the people who were in their life who were encouraging them, was part of the, the, um, the environment. So the things that they were invited to participate in, the activities that they were doing, those all helped create an environment in which they were able to share the gospel. So those three things were very helpful. As he asked the question, what hinders you from sharing the gospel? There was really only one answer. 90% of the students answered the same way. It was fear. (laughs) It was fear, social fear. And it showed up in all kinds of different ways, but it was all fear. Fear that their friends might reject them that their current friends would just simply think they're nuts for believing in God and reject them and cease to be their friend. The other side of that, that strangers wouldn't accept them, that people they were seeking to become friends with, as they shared their life with them, as they shared the gospel with them, as they shared what was most important to them, namely the relationship with Jesus, that those potential new friends wouldn't accept them. And those two things combined, 90% of the students said was the biggest reason or the biggest hindrance to them sharing the gospel with others. Fear immobilizes us. Fear trips us up, ties us up. I think of Israel and Goliath. We often talk about the story of David and Goliath, but really it's the story of Israel and Goliath as they stood there as the army of Israel before this giant of a man, and they were afraid. And they were immobilized, unable to act. Fear immobilizes us. It also shrinks God in our life. Fear shrinks God. I think of the disciples in the, in the storm. They're in the boat, and Jesus is asleep, and the storm rages around them, and you know the story. And they're afraid. They're afraid that they're going to die. And so they wake Jesus up, and they're like, what are you doing asleep? We're going to die here. We're afraid. Do something. And Jesus said, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? And then he calms the storms. You see, when we're in the middle of fear, when fear grows in our life and begins to control us or dominate our our life, our schedule, then God shrinks. It's, it's just, it's kind of like you can't have both. <laughs> God shrinks. His room in your life becomes smaller and smaller. And so God becomes managed by us because we allow our fear to dominate. And so we shrink God and put him in a box and set him in one part of our life. And we think about him less and less, and we take him out on a Sunday morning, and we marvel at his shininess, and then we carry on, and fear grips us the rest of the days of our week. And the problem with that is that uh, the world is not hungry for a small God. The world is not hungry for a small God. I'm not interested in serving a small God. You are not interested in serving a small God. And so as fear controls us and our God shrinks, he becomes less attractive, and just the cycle grows and grows and grows. And so the question is, are we allowing fear to grip us? Is it pushing God out of our life? Is it shrinking his space in our life? Why would anyone want to join us in that space? And a big part of that is God is not safe. He cannot and will not be put in a box. (laughs) He cannot and will not be managed. The world needs to see our God, the true God, who is so much bigger than any fear we may have. So how does Jesus respond to our biggest fears? There are fears in my life that uh, I know I just have to overcome. But my biggest fears, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't on my own. I can't, and, and I won't. <clears throat> and I don't know what your biggest fears are. I had a friend in university, uh, his biggest fear was public speaking. My biggest fear was research. It was it was how I got through university, it's how I got my degree. If you're a student, maybe don't listen to this, but um, <laughs> he and I were all in the same program, so we had all the same classes. And our program was heavy on the group presentation, the group work and, and, and class presentation. And so what this enabled us to do all through university was he was a phenomenal researcher. He actually now has his PhD in nitrogen deficiency in carrots. But um, he he, uh, he was a phenomenal researcher. He loved research. He loved being in the books. I couldn't stand it. I'd fall asleep within five minutes every time I stepped into a library. So, um, But I didn't have the same fear. He was the Debilitated giving a, a speech, he would literally. I would watch him. He would literally stand in front of the class and he'd roll up his notes and he'd just be like, uh. "So we came up with a deal. He would do the research and I would do the presentations, and we got really good marks." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, don't ask me anything about university because I can't remember. But um, I did get better at giving presentations, and and that's helped me uh, in my role. <laughs> So, um, everyone has different fears, and and our fears do immobilize us. How does Jesus respond to our biggest fears? Well, he stands before you and he says, peace to you. It's not a command just to simply jump over that hurdle to get better. It's not just a, a hockey coach screaming at you, just do it. (laughs) <laughs> Just do it. It's, it's not that at all. The, Jesus' response, peace to you, is not get over it. Rather, it's a, it's a it's a coming to you in empathy. He says, look. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. I have been in your position. I know what it is to experience rejection. I know what it is to fear pain and suffering, sacrifice, I know what it is to not be accepted. I can empathize with your biggest fears. I know them. This is what makes Christianity such good news, is we serve a God who is not simply sitting on the bench saying, hey, get out there and do better, but one who says, I understand, who in every way empathizes, who sympathizes with us and yet is without sin. Jesus says, look at me. Look at me. Look at the scars on my hand and know that I understand. You know, it's so important to read tone in the scripture. And so when Jesus shows up and says, peace to you, it's not the hockey coach saying, hey, peace. (laughs) Get it? It's like, A mother or a father standing before their child, wrapping them in their arms and saying, peace, be still. Jesus responds in empathy. David didn't conquer Goliath because he manned up. He conquered Goliath because he said, my Lord, my God is bigger than you. He will do this. And he looked to his God. The disciples didn't conquer the storm. They looked to Jesus, and he met them in their place of fear. He understands. He knows what it is to be afraid. There are fears in your life you cannot and will not overcome, apart from looking to him and being clothed in the power from on high. He understands. He knows the pain, and he shows us the scars, and he brings comfort in that place peace to you the second thing that jesus's response to their fear was peace to you it was a position it was a it was a, uh, a a legal change for them he's saying look once you were under the wrath of god once you were alienated from god once you were dead in your sins and yet because of my sacrifice you are at peace We've just celebrated this at Easter. <laughs> we, we've just talked about this all weekend, about the idea that, uh, not just the idea, but the truth, the truth, the fact that Jesus died. A sinless, he was sinless in every way, and yet he, he stood in the place, the gap between God and man, and said, I will pay. I will pay. You see, God is a holy God. And when I, th- when I think about the cross, I, I often think about and share with students how beautiful the cross is in that it's the, it's, it's the intersection of God's holiness and his grace, his justice and his mercy. The cross is the intersection that allows God to be God and yet still accept us. You can't have a God... Who is perfect and holy and just forgives? Who just, if we had a judge in our court system who um, just because they liked the person in front of them decided to disregard the law and its appropriate punishment and let serial killers go because they kind of liked the look of the person or because they were family or because they had some kind of relationship with them and cared for them, we would. Disbar that judge. We would condemn them for being unjust. God is perfectly just. He could not not let his, His holiness, His wrath go unquenched. But He is also perfectly gracious. And so He is perfectly loving. And so in the cross He says, Look, I will pay the penalty of sin myself. I will pour out my wrath on my Son for your sake so that you can be, the word we use is justified, so that you can be made right with God, so that you can experience peace with him. Jesus has bought us peace with God. (laughs) And he shows up in their midst and he reminds them of this. He says, peace to you. Peace I have purchased for you. Look at my hands, look at my feet. I have purchased for you peace. The third response Jesus has here is he says, Peace to you and to all nations. Peace is not something Jesus only offers to them. It's not something he only offers to you. He gives them a mission to be agents of his peace. He gives us a mission to be agents of his peace by bringing the good news that peace with God is something that all can have through the cross of Christ. And I love what uh, Luke writes here when he says, uh, or what Jesus says when he says, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. We are clothed in power. As Christians, as we've come to that place of surrender before the cross, one of the things the cross did for us is, is it bought peace with God. And so by being at peace with God, he made sacrifice once for all. The curtain in the temple was torn. You know this. In the, in the temple, there was a space. It was called the Holy of Holies. It was where God's presence was most manifest. And in that space, priests would only be allowed, uh, I think it was once a year, to make special sacrifice for the Israelites. And it was, it's, it was such a holy and fearful place that they would tie a rope around that priest so that if he died, they could pull him out without an, anyone else going into that space in the middle of the temple, the Holy of Holies. And one of the things the scripture says is that when Jesus died, the temple ripped from top to bottom, or the curtain in that place ripped from top to bottom. The Holy of Holies was now not a single place in the temple in Jerusalem, but it now, his presence, his manifest presence, his holy presence would take up residence in those who surrendered to him. I, you, this place is now the Holy of Holies. As you walk about your day, the God of the universe takes up residence in you. The Holy Spirit is within you, and he seeks to clothe you in his power. What space does fear have, then, when we remember that we stand in that place, that the God of the universe resides in us, that we are clothed in him, and that his role, his role in the Trinity is to glorify God, to bring, to make much of Jesus and he wants to use you to do that. I am convinced that if you ask the Holy Spirit to open doors for you to make much of Jesus in your life, he will do so with much power. You just have to ask. <laughs> Jesus, help me make much of you. And watch what happens. Just, just, if you prayed that every day for a week, and come tell me what happens. Because I am fully convinced that if you pray, Lord, help me make much of you today, you are going to see his power displayed in your life it's a scary prayer secondly in that place of mission he says begin in jerusalem because that's where they were start this week start now clothed in his power where is your jerusalem and then thirdly he says but don't just stay here have a vision for the nation's He says to all nations, this message cannot be for just us. I love uh, the desire of this church to be a light to West Edmonton. And I also love that it has a vision to bring the gospel to all nations. If we don't dream about how God could use us as a community in this space to bring the gospel to all nations, then we're not dreaming big enough. God is not big enough in our world. He wants to bring the gospel to all nations. Jesus can use this church to impact the nations, and let's ask him to give us that kind of impact, to be be peace bringers in the world. That's what I so want to be, and I invite you to join me in that place, and I know Jesus is offering you that same mission. I've been traveling a little bit recently and uh, I stopped in Saskatoon at an event and uh, had the privilege of uh, surprisingly meeting a student that I used to work with uh, more than 10 years ago back in Ontario. And uh, this young man, I can't say his name, uh, but he and his wife and his two girls, as I caught up with them in Saskatoon, found out that he was on furlough and uh, he spent the last number of years and is going back to um, a closed country, a politically closed country to the gospel, a a place where uh, people are being heavily persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And uh, he and his wife and their two little girls live in that country. They've learned the language. And um, they work amongst a minority group in that country where there are zero known believers. So in in this whole nation, this whole group, of people who speak the same language, there are none who know what it is to have peace with God through Jesus. And uh, as we talked with one another, he shared with great enthusiasm how excited he is that in a few months he gets to go back and he's not sure when he'll come back to Canada. And uh, we prayed together. What a joy it is for me to to uh, have played some part in his life. And... Um, I could tell you so many stories of, of students who I've seen take steps of faith in that place of fear to bring the gospel to those around them which lead to them being called to the nations. If you think of it, if you could pray this week, there are over 250 students gathering in Ontario uh, preparing to go out on mission trips all over the world uh, with Power to Change uh, this this next week. Uh, going to places in the Middle East and North Africa Uh, Peru, and East Asia. And so if you can pray for them, uh, these are 18, 19, 20-year-olds. There's 250 of them getting excited about spending their summer to bring the gospel to those who have never heard. Yes, they will experience things that uh, scare them like crazy. (laughs) But Jesus will be in that place, just as he is in this place, saying peace to you. Be comforted for I know what it is to be rejected. Be encouraged because your position is secure. I have bought it with my life. Be on mission. Be my agent of peace. This is the word Jesus speaks to us this morning. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you that you know what it is to experience fear, so much so that the word tells us that your, your, your sweat became thick with blood, knowing what you would experience on the cross for our sake. And Lord, in the midst of that fear, you were without sin, that we might be purchased for you that we might experience peace with you, that our sins might be forgiven and that we might stand secure in the very presence of the Holy God so that we could be agents of peace in this world. Lord, we pray that as you continue to work in us, that, we, that you would help us to experience this peace that is from you, and for you make us those agents to all nations use us powerfully to magnify your name to make much of you day by day both in west edmonton and around the world give us eyes to see how you would use us and continue to clothe us in your power that you may be made much of and that peace may reign in this world on earth as it is in heaven we pray in jesus name amen